In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. We are back after a pretty extensive whirlwind of summer travel and many other adventures. We're excited to be back home again. We love to travel and explore, but there's just something nourishing about coming home and walking through your door. (laughs) The kids were very eager to play on the playground and climb around in their forts and reacquaint themselves with their bedrooms. But it's also kind of surprising how quick kids just adjust to different environments. You know, we really didn't have any desire to come home again. But the kids, um, once they're home, they seem to acclimate really well. But they also acclimate really well on the road. So it's it's been fun for us to continue to explore this lifestyle and these adventures. We are eking out every last breath of summer. <laughs> We're just, as we also try to, you know, get ourselves back into a routine and settle in a little bit for the fall, Given that we have announced our gap year starting in January, it feels like there's this constant push and pull of what needs to get done in the next four months. It's an interesting time, and I want to admit that I'm trying to hold on to moments and be present in life, but I really still feel this productivity pull. One way I feel that is resisting the urge is just always trying to get something done. For example, just last night, my kids love a bedtime we have this little bedtime routine where I sit one-on-one with them and just talk about their day. You know, as they get older, they don't really want to do these things in public. And so just hanging out, having one-on-one conversation with them, it's always kind of fun for me. Being in proximity to them, you know, it's just, there's something about bedtime on their turf, on their terms that I really enjoy. And most often the podcasting and ordinary Sherpa work and happens lately after 8 p.m., which is usually around their bedtime. And so sometimes my husband will say, no, mom's got to go get work done. So you'll have to just go to bed on your own. And and I just was sensing like, I'm not okay with that. I was just feeling this pull. So I'm not quite back into my routine. And I'm gonna gonna have to be okay with that. This one is gonna this episode is gonna be coming out later than normal. It's just okay. That's no big deal. <laughs> and I hope you will all understand But it is things like this written review this week that really keep me on my toes and motivated and wanting to come back to the mic over and over again. So this review comes from What's Up Roger, and it states, episode 87 rocks. Congratulations on unveiling your new lifestyle plan. We look forward to hearing about all your new adventures. Kudos to you and Mr. Ordinary Sherpa on giving your kids a real education. You'll find they will actually be further ahead of their peers after a year of education outside the classroom, and it will be an experience your kids will never forget. Thank you for those words of encouragement. It has been really nourishing to hear the questions people have, but also, you know, recognizing that it takes courage to get to this point and and honoring that and owning it and just allowing that feeling to sink in. It's been really appreciative. And so whenever I receive a written review, again, it just fills my cup and it helps keep me going. So I really appreciate that. And I do want to say thank you. So what's up, Roger? 
Because of this, I would love to send you either my book, which is Beyond Normal, or the book that we're going to be discussing today, Family Field Trips. So send me a DM or an email. Let me know where I can send you a book. I will continue to read written reviews. I haven't read them in a while, and it's kind of fun. So if your review is read on the podcast, I will either get you a signed copy of my book or a recent guest book from the show. So that goes for both the podcast or a written review on Amazon. So there's two options there on how to leave a written review. Our guest is a writer, an early childhood educator, and a former traveling nanny. She has been featured on things like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Real Simple, Mother Meg, you know, just a few random publications that we all know and love. She published her second book in April of 2020 called Family Field Trip. Her blog, Field Trip, works to teach parents and children about design, food, art, and culture from home and beyond. And let me tell you, This is the impetus of our conversation today. I got a copy. I love it, as you know, and that's why I'm bringing her here today. Erin lives in Water Valley, Mississippi with her husband, son, and four animals. Erin Austin Abbott, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, Erin. So let's just start with Mississippi, because I think this is the basis of how you and I started having this conversation at TravelCon. Just Getting to understand you're from Mississippi, you stayed in Mississippi. Tell me some of the things you love about Mississippi. Well, I I do love Mississippi. I didn't <laughs> stay here. We moved when I was nine, and I moved back when I was 29. And I've been here for 17 and a half years now. So after moving all over the country to literally every corner of this country, I found my way back because there was just something that was like, I was not finding in other places that I lived and I still can't really put finger on it, but um, it's such a magical place. I think that there's so many misconceptions about what we think of when we think of Mississippi and there's definitely some of those things that are true, but it is a place full of just so much nature and art and it's such a literary state. It just encompasses everything that we look for when we are out traveling, which is art, design, culture, food, all of these things that we go out and search for, we're finding it in our own backyard. So we make everything an experience. Everything is a field trip for us. And that can be whether we are staying local or what we look for when we're out traveling like, oh, we need to look for this when we get home because we can probably find it here. It's hard to describe it, honestly, because it is very Southern, you know, which is, Uh it's not like, it's not exactly what you would think of when you think of the art scene, but people are so resourceful here and they, they make incredible things and events and cultivate their ideas in a place that doesn't have a lot. And so from that it comes off as really just genuine and and unique. And it's, you know, it's just, it feels very raw. And I love that about it. This blends together. I think this is why I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing. And even in our first conversation, because Ordinary Sherpa was really built out of this place of, you know, creating adventures in your own backyard. And I talk often, like if you can have that foundational skill set of finding and creating everyday adventures with your family, you can travel just about anywhere and thrive. 
Absolutely. And I know that's kind of a stretch. And then people are probably like, what? I don't speak the language. I don't know their systems. I'm like, no, but you know how to manage. You know how to find your way. You can get creative. You get resourceful. And that is what I love about, that's what I call on tourism, right? You're finding these local gems, these hidden things that you may not have known or you may not have found online prior to getting there. But that's what the magic is of like, you know, these backyard adventures leads to so many other opportunities. So yeah. I love that you're highlighting that. Absolutely. And to quote William Faulkner, who was from right here where I live, he said, to know the world first, you must know a place like Mississippi. And so I think that that sums it up. You know, I mean, it's just like no other place. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that would be a place... So I'm almost like an anti-bucket list person, and people are going to get to know this about me if they haven't already, in that I feel like so many people look for the trendy destination to like check the box. And I imagine not many people have Mississippi on their like bucket list of destinations, right? I've but never it's met anyone. <laughs> I've never met anyone that does. <laughs> but it's on my mission because it's one of the four it's either four or six, I always get this number wrong, states that I actually haven't been to. So I am insanely curious about it. And I know we got talking and I want to learn more about Mississippi. But I think there's something intriguing about it that I don't know, right? I've put it off in the back of my mind. And so that's what enlightens me is I want to now know what makes Mississippi special. And I know you have a lot. Do you have anything specifically that you'd want to share? And I know I'm totally putting you on the spot. So if you don't, it's fine. Or if you have anything on your blog or website or anything, is there a place in Mississippi that you think is like one of the best hidden gems that Mississippi can offer? Um, Oh my gosh, there's so many. (laughs) There's so many. I mean, just on a basic level, the amount of good food you can find in gas stations in Mississippi will blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, we're talking really, really, really good food from gas stations. And it's because, you know, some people maybe don't have the space to have a full restaurant. And so they've, you know, been able to find these partnerships that you might not be able to find in other places. And it's just so unexpected all the time. There's so many different museums. Like it's such a musical state, which I guess most people just associate Elvis being from Mississippi. But there's the Grammy Museum in the Delta, and then there's a blues museum. There's a blues trail, which is really fun. And you can go and travel through the Mississippi Delta and find all the blues markers. And then what we like to do is then listen to the blues music of the marker that we just saw on our way to the next one so that my son can learn more about that music and that artist as we're traveling and looking for the next one. So we make a, you know, an adventure out of finding those markers and learning about the music as we go. But there's also a literary trail through Mississippi because there's so many writers from here. There's a Tamale trail. There's a lot of fusion of Asian culture with Southern culture blended here in Mississippi, which is really fun to go and find like along the Delta again and along the coast, like there's a big Vietnamese population and that sort of thing. And how they're fusing that with Southern food is really interesting. So I think that there's, it's like, you might have to dig a little deeper, but there's so many interesting things that are hard to find in other places. And, and I mean, I've, traveled all over and I've I've looked for these in other places and it's just really not the same from what we're finding here. It's it's just really interesting. 
That is fascinating. So I have like jaw drop moments while you were saying all of those. <laughs> like, hey, like who has a blues trail? And I love that concept, right? So there's a blues trail yeah. and then you listen to the artist and you learn so much more. Regardless of how you learn or when you learn these things, you don't remember, you don't retain all of this. So even if I'm like, oh, I've heard this song before. I had no idea who the artist was or the story behind the artist yeah. and the literary trail and the food, you know, the gas station. That is it's so much. It's so fantastic to hear stories like that because who seriously would look at a gas station for the best local food. It's so cool. No one, no one. And what's really great is with websites like Spotify, what I like to do is like, as we're going on these adventures, I'll make a playlist so that we can, and you know, then I can date it and like, we can go back and listen to it. And that helps my son retain a lot of this like musical information, for example, or I'll, you know, make a map on Apple maps. I'll because you could make guides mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so I'll make a guide and we have that trip so we can look back and remember or we can recreate it or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's that's been really helpful, just technology. Oh, I love it. I love those tips and even the idea. To, okay, now there's a process. I know what I'm looking for. But now that we know, like these are options, it gives us some inspiration to think things differently. So I call on tourism like a way to travel differently. This is what I'm talking about, listeners. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> you need to look for things that are not necessarily the touristy attractions. Yeah. And you'll start to find that there's a whole another world to how you can travel. So I really love those examples. Those are perfect. Perfect. I want to talk a little bit, and actually I want to talk a lot about your book. So you and I met at TravelCon, and I'm very open about how we meet. And and you gave me your book, and I was like, at I think page four, I was like, oh, I needed this book. I'm so <laughs> glad you gave me this book. So let me just give a little backstory behind you know, what I was thinking about it as I got into it. First of all, I had another episode on, and I'll reference it in the show notes, about just like options for unschooling or homeschooling or and in for someone, so I'm a former teacher, I, and my husband is a teacher. So we both come from that educational background. And the idea of like trying to figure this out on my own was really overwhelming. So we want to test things. And I was just feeling like I had to have everything laid out and the curriculum planned. And yet I know that that's really not what I want, right? I was just feeling that external narrative of this is what school looks like. And so when I opened up to the very front of your book, you also just give some insights on like, what does homeschooling actually mean? And what are some of the options all in one place? And I was like, this is the book I need. This is the book to guide me through what simple adventures can look like, what learning can look like with my kids. And so kind of the inspiration behind the book, how did this book, um, and again, it's Family Field Trip, Explore Art food, music, and nature with kids. How did this book come to be? What was the inspiration behind the book? Well, it's funny because I, before I met my husband and my son, I did a lot of solo traveling around the world. And I was in line for a museum in France. And there were some kids that were sitting there in line as well. And they were just, this was like, early 2000s, they were sitting there playing Game Boys. And I was just like, we are in this beautiful place. They're complaining about where they were. They were complaining about just everything that was happening around them. In my mind, I was like, I need to write a book one day of all the things that they could be doing right now to get them engaged. I went into teacher mode watching it happen, you know? Yep. And I just kind of sat there like quietly just observing. 
one day I want to just write this book. And, you know, life continued and I never wrote the book, but I had always had it in my mind. Like, I would love to still write that book one day. Then by this time, I had been a travel nanny for many years and was now a parent. I was like, I'm still thinking about this book. We were incorporating so many of these gems that I had been saving in my memory bank Mm -hmm. um, of all these things that I was like, this this is a book. This is a book. And so when I was actually working on my first book, it was all about artist studios and how they make their art. I was going around and taking the photos for the book and I was bringing my husband and son with me on most of the trips because I just wanted them there to have that experience and we could make, you know, a fun family trip out of it. And it was in that moment I was like, this is my second book. I was still working on the first one and I was like this is this is going to be the second one. And so I started it as a blog first and I'm I'm not the best at blogging to be honest because just life and I can't stay on top of it, mm-hmm. but the book that I can do. Like I'm I'm great with getting it all into one place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, so I started it as a blog and then I pitched it to my agent as a book idea and she loved it and we ran with it. And so that's how that came to be. It was just years and years of not being able to get the thought out of my mind yeah. is is what happened. It's like one of those nagging dreams, you know? It's like you keep having the same dream over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And I do already think, you know, having now written a book as well, I am laughing because when you said, you know, I was working on my first book and you had, you're like, oh, this is the second book. I've had moments like that already too, where I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't going to be in the first book, but I already see the impetus and this is going to motivate me to write the second book now that I understand how book writing works. I've already got the documenting system ready for the next one. So that's funny. There you go. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. So let's walk through it. So, I mean, I love it because I can see that in this writing. You know, I can see several kids or a family or whatever it is in terms of, but the kids complaining about like, oh, this is boring. Or parents asking me often, like, how do I get my kids to want to do these things? I love this idea. I want to do it, but how do I get my kids engaged? And I've come to realize that I'm not normal, right? That I don't, you know, there is something in teacher brain that I'm able to come up with things really fast, but I've also got years and years and years of experience doing that, you know, having been a teacher and having been a parent of three kids that have done all those things, right? You have to like be on your feet a little bit and come up with ideas on the fly. So I felt like, oh, this is my, I love this, right? This is, this is what I've been thinking about. And I love that you put it all in one place because I would agree a blog is nice, but when I'm not going to search, you know, like for all the things, I might find one or two ideas, but finding everything all in one package, a book just makes so much more sense. Absolutely. Like I I still love textbooks, you know, like I, I like having the resource right in my hand in a tangible form. Yeah. And I write all over my books too. So like I love taking notes and highlighting and putting post-it notes on pages, which I want to, you know, let's just start talking about some of those that I do have post-it notes on. I have quite a few of them on your book. So can we start, you know, I think there's a whole lot of stuff in here. Um, I already referenced if anyone was listening to a previous episode, she has an example of um, eating ice cream from around the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, this like speaks to my heart. But I actually want to go a little bit further into the book when you talk about ways to be inspired for even just like everyday places that inspire you on your travels, can you just give some insights behind 
you know, well, that section, I think in particular, let's just talk through that a little bit more. What are some of the places that you love to look for when you're traveling both, you know, near home and away? What are some of the local things that you start to look for for inspiration? Yeah, so we definitely we look for murals in different towns and cities that we travel to. The public art says so much about like what's happening in that location, you know. A lot of it is social justice based, which can tell you so much about what a place might be going through, mm-hmm. what some of the struggles are in that location, which I think is important for us to all understand when we travel to these places the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that street art is both beautiful and enlightening in that way and educational. And so we, especially on a rainy day, like we'll just hop in the car if we've got a rental or if we're in our own and just drive around and looking for public art and seeing what we can find. I mean, it doesn't have to be rainy, of course, but sure. we we try to do that every time we go somewhere. And then we there all the artists have tagged their art as well, and so we look up the artist and see what other stuff they've done, like who they are, study more about them. That's like such a cheap it's free mm-hmm. to do that. And you just learn so much. So, I mean, I think that that's one thing that we find a lot of inspiration when we travel. We wander through the farmer's markets of a place that we've never been. And we, you know, we talk about with my son, his name is Tom. We talk to Tom like, okay, find something that you've never seen before that we don't have in Mississippi. Find something that you've never tasted before. Let's try it, you know? And we talk to the farmers. We will spend time in that space and and look for things as simple as find something that you've never tasted before. And that right there is an entire lesson. And it might cost $2, (laughs) you know, but like so much. And we do the same at the grocery stores too. Like we'll go into a grocery store that we've never been to. We go to Canada a lot. And so we'll go in and we'll look for things that maybe we don't have at home. Or like today after I picked my son up from camp. He wanted to he wanted to go to the Mexican ice cream place and he found some chips there that we don't normally have in the US and that were imported from Mexico and he was like I want to try those and he's like I love finding the chips that we can't find anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know. You know, just the experience of tasting different flavors and things that are so easy but often overlooked and if we're home here in Mississippi, we'll go to the same nature trail several times a year at different seasons, just to study like what the trees, how they've changed and talk about how they've changed or what birds we're seeing that we don't normally see in another season or talk about migration and different things like that. Or we'll, we'll look for different things that are growing at different times of year all that sort of thing. And I call it like a season study is what I call it. And so we just study the same place at different times. And I mean, anybody can do that in their own home from their own town. And, and it's such an easy and educational way to really, you know, just get to know your, your area, get to know where, what's around you. And I think nature is as much about travel than as anything else. So 
Yeah, I would agree. We incorporate a lot of nature into anywhere we go. Well, and nature is always evolving. So I think yeah. it's been interesting as I've gotten more involved in just everyday backyard adventures. It's interesting what you notice when you pay attention. I think part of the reason, so I was definitely a traveler and I still am, you know, I don't ever want to give that up. But I think one of the things I romanticize about travel was always like a new first time experience. And there's something that I love to like, I don't know, there's some appeal to that, that, you know, as you get older, there's less and less first time experiences. And so what you're highlighting, though, are ways to have simple first time experiences with new foods, with new flavors, with new sites of the seasons that the world around us near and far is constantly changing, but you just have to look for it. Yeah. I think that is just, yeah, that's really fascinating. Absolutely. I have a funny story. So we were in Alaska in Homer, Alaska, and I too always look for farmer's markets. It's just like the way to get to know the locals in the fastest form. It's like a instant immersion experience. Yeah. And we too were looking for things that, well, first of all, we were, I think we were renting an RV for this trip. So, you know, our options for food. Like, okay, what are we going to have for dinner? Find something that you would like to incorporate for dinner tonight. And my kids found honeycomb, like raw honey in the comb. Mm -hmm. And we were laughing because I was like, I've never had that. And they're like, oh, mom needs a first time try. (laughs) Like, no, thank you. Yeah. You gotta buy it. It was so good. And it was so fun. It reminded me of the wax of it, it reminded me of like this candy from when I was a little kid at the movie theater. They had these like wax. I don't even know what they were. And you had to bite the wax off to get the candy juice inside. Oh, yeah. Was it like the little soda thing? That's it. I used to love those. Yeah. (laughs) It was like this odd thing of like chewing on wax. I was like, oh, but it's delightful because there's honey. You know, it's so good. Anyway, regardless of if you're a child or if you're an adult, you can still have these first time experiences through things like food and nature and all of those things you were mentioning earlier. I love that. I love those suggestions. I love it. One other thing that I absolutely love doing, and this goes back to my solo travel days, that I would absolutely do anytime I was in a new place to acclimate myself, I would just hop on public transportation and literally ride the stop I got on to the end, turn around, go to the other end, and then come back to where I got Mm -hmm. on. And just, you know, just ride, even if it took like hours, you're sitting with the locals, you're going into areas that you know, when they've crossed over into like, commuter mm-hmm. and you're into neighborhoods but you're you're with the locals you're you're hearing the language you're hearing the slang the you know everything you're seeing all the sights and you don't have to drive and see them you can just sit back relax look out the window and just ride and you see so much just looking out the window amongst locals and it's such an inexpensive way to acclimate to a new place. I 100% recommend doing that. Yes. So that reminds me of a couple things. When I was in Chicago, it was so easy for me to look at things from the outsider view as opposed to the insider. Like once I live there, you become a little bit like, I don't want to say jaded, but you don't notice things like you do when you're, you know, have fresh eyes on it. Yeah. And I remember the first time I rode the L. And, you know, it can be really overwhelming. So the L in Chicago is an elevated train. Essentially, it's a subway. Yes. And I'm taking the red line, which goes right along Lake Michigan, essentially. The east, most eastern side of Chicago is the red line. And 
you can literally see the neighborhoods changing. Uh-huh. It's, it's almost like I'm on a timeline warp. It was just fascinating to me. I was like, oh my gosh, that was the end of Chinatown. And now we're in this. Actually, that wasn't on Red Line. But either way, you can literally see these neighborhoods, these towns, these little communities within the bigger communities yeah. developed by street by street. And it just changes so much on that red line. So it was it was so fascinating for me. I, I guess it's just a testimonial to like get on public transit. And yeah. even though it's overwhelming and scary, just like you said, take that day, that first day and just go out, do an out and back. You don't yeah. even have to like figure out how to navigate to get where you want to go. Just no. do like an out and back trip. No, just this is what I did in Paris. I would, I would find one, a line, get on, ride it, and take it to the end and come back to where I got on and just get off at that spot. Or you can keep going and and then, you know, loop back around to where you got on. You don't have to like worry about navigating at all. You're just right. you're just there to be an observer. Yeah. And just, you know, blend in. Yeah. It also reminds me that, and I haven't followed it very much, but I was reading a book the other day that was sitting at my cousin's house on the people of New York, which is essentially this book written about people on public transit. Like these are all the people oh, and their stories. It's so great. fascinating. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit because you also have one that I always recommend for families, especially when I'm on road trips. I always tell people like, look for the playgrounds because number one, it's easy to like go burn off some energy. Yeah. Let's talk about playgrounds. What kind of things do you see or look for or how do you find local playgrounds to play at? Typically, we'll look for a playground that's near a school, mm-hmm. an elementary school, because it's local. There's going to be kids that my son can play with. Now he's a little older and he's he's less interested in finding playgrounds, but he still has them on his radar when he sees one like that's really, really special. He can spot it, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we would look for like, I mean, they don't have to be near a school, but something that feels not in a touristy area. You know, we would go and find one in a neighborhood. And it's funny because I'm still friends with people that we've met on playgrounds, taking my son to them over the years that of just locals that I got to know. And I think that there's so much to be said for just making these connections with people that you might not ever otherwise know, you know, and you're in a space, you're in their neighborhood and a visitor in their space. And it's such an amazing little window into what a community is like. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I don't know, we, we've just always done that. Like we will get some takeout and take it and have a little picnic at a playground especially if it's like a restaurant we really want to try that maybe isn't as kid-friendly or whatever the case may be, we'll get takeout and take it to a playground. Um, I know it doesn't sound that exciting, but we at least get to try the food and get my son to run around. Yeah, (laughs) I think mainly if you find like an elementary school is nearby, you're going to find local families that are also using that playground, especially if it's a walkable city, then you're definitely going to encounter some really great families and whatnot. And a lot of times I'll just use Google Maps to find one Mm -hmm. that's nearby wherever we are. And and if it's one I really like, then I save it to a guide Mm -hmm. in my Apple Maps um, so that we can return to it. Because we do like to visit places more than once. Like we do like to return to towns or cities that we really like. And so um, I save it for future visits. Very cool. I like that tip too. I have become a hoarder of notes. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, so many notes. Right? You know, I grew up like <laughs> I saved so many notes. Yes. And and it's getting to that point where I'm like, okay, I need to do something and compile these, get them all in one place because I have so many notes in so many different places. So I really like even that tip of adding it to a guide in in Apple Maps. When you're preparing for this, so you kind of alluded to this on the front end, you know, you might look in Google Maps, but do you have tips for people to start planning? Planning's not maybe the right word, but like, how can I begin if I know I'm going to be going to this place? So I'll give an example. We're going to Idaho and it's kind of a spontaneous, like, oh, we're going to be in Idaho for a while. And actually, by the time this airs, we'll probably be have been in Idaho already. But, you know, how do you go about just starting to explore what do I need to see in Idaho? Because there's nothing worse than a little bit of like fear of missing out that we get home from a trip and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that was in Idaho and I missed it. Like, how did I miss that? So what what do you do to prepare for a visit to a place that you might not know much about? I love this question so much. And I don't know how much time we have, but I could talk about it for a really <laughs> long time because I am such a planner. I'm not a very spontaneous traveler because I like to be prepared. I don't like to miss things. And so I do a lot of research on the front end. And that's just me. That's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will I will plan all day long. And so what I do is anytime I have ever seen someone mention Idaho, I will like say on Instagram, if anyone's ever mentioned anything I've ever seen, or I'll go to the hashtag Idaho, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, we're going to use Idaho. We're going to be talking about Idaho a lot here, but I will go into the hashtag or a geotag and I will just scroll and look for everything that I can find that just jumps out at me. Like, okay, I need to see this. I need to see this. I need to see this. And from the geotag in Instagram, I will click on that and then it says open in maps. And so I will open in maps and immediately add it to a guide that I've now designated as my Idaho guide. And that way, when I am in Idaho or any location, I can just go to my guide and it'll pull up everything I've saved. It could be like, for example, we met in Memphis. That's a town, a city that we spend a lot of time in. I have almost you know, 200 different places saved in Memphis. I know I don't ever have to think about restaurants. I can just be like, what's nearby? Let's look at the guide. You know, as things are popping up new, like when I find their tourism bureau or, you know, the Idaho Tourism Bureau, I'll look at their Instagram page or the, you know, like maybe I'm going to a specific place in Idaho and I'll look at their tourism page and I'll see like, okay, what what's on their page that I need to find? And I'll immediately geotag everything. And I I geotag it in the moment so that I don't have to do 40 places at one time. So as I see it, and I've got guides for places I might not get to for years from now, but I have them already like set up in the guide all over the world so that I can have it ready when we do go to that place, if we go to that place. And Mm -hmm. I'll break it down by state as opposed to if I'm driving around the state, I don't miss anything. It's not like it's not sending me to one location as opposed to covering the whole state. Yeah, I get that. Well, and I I appreciate the geotag because I, for years, have just, when I see things on blogs or anywhere, I'll like copy it and paste it and put it into a Google Doc. But then I'm like, wait a minute, what order? Like, what am I going in first? Like, I'm going from here to here. I don't know 
how far do I have to scroll down this document to find what I'm looking for? So I really like the geotag height. Yeah. So if I'm like looking, like if I do see something like in a blog, I'll immediately, instead of putting it into any sort of document or any sort of note or anything, I just take that like location that I read about and immediately put it into my guide that I've already created. And that way it's already on my map and it's already set up and I don't have to like look for it later. And then I also use Instagram. You you know, you can save mm-hmm. different places. I have places already saved in Instagram as well. So like I might have an Idaho mm-hmm. bookmark saved in Instagram that I can reference and those pictures are there so that I can go back just in case it didn't make it into my guide for whatever reason. But I live by the Apple map guides because like it's just everything is saved in one place. And then I use Pinterest for a lot of things too. I have secret boards for like, yeah, like we're going to the Pacific Northwest. I have like, you know, a secret Pinterest board of, of all the places to go there um, of, that I've found. And I can then go through from that board and put them into my guide if I haven't already done so. Yeah. I love those suggestions. Yeah. That's awesome. That's how I use all of that. And as far as like planning, it's just a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah. (laughs) It's just constantly rabbit holes. And I hope your listeners can follow me down the rabbit hole there. But uh, (laughs) yes. um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally just like, okay, I am going to look here and this is going to take me to this. And then, oh, here's this photographer that only shoots in Idaho. Let me see what cool places this person has found. And then, you know, like that, that person has tagged someone else. And I'm like, Oh, who's this person? Oh, this (laughs) person also tags in Idaho. So let me like, see what other places. Oh, they found a really cool trail. I I think I need to go on this trail. You know, I love it so much that it doesn't, I know some people it would stress them out. Right. I don't have a clean answer for for not getting stressed out. No, I have the answer for that. Actually, they become friends with you and I because we yes. love. <laughs> I'll do it for you. You just email me and I'll I'll do an itinerary for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I do laugh because I do have friends who are like, okay, Heidi, what are we doing? And I was like, oh, I guess I planned this. Okay. And I'm okay yeah. with that because I would rather yeah. take a little ownership and having an idea of what we want to do as opposed to sitting there looking at each other and being like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like that would be the worst vacation ever. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as kids go, like I do get my son involved with the planning. He's now like, okay, I definitely want to see this when we're there. We're going to the Pacific Northwest. He's like, we definitely need to go to the rainforest and he wants to eat oysters. So yeah. we're, I found an oyster trail in the Pacific Northwest. And so I've been saving them all to our guides so that we have all of our days like efficiently planned out so that we make the most of our time because, you know, it's it's pretty far from Mississippi. So we want to make the most of it. Yes. You are a hidden gem. Look at this. Look at all of the tips (laughs) that you're offering. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know we were going to go down this rabbit hole, but I love it. I could talk about this for hours too. Uh, I love it so much. <laughs> yes. And there, uh, you know, there are people. So I'm one of those people too. I love to plan, but I do get stressed out. You know, it gets to that point where I'm like, we don't have these things figured out. I spent, I don't even know how many hours <laughs> planning for our upcoming trip slash like we're trying to slow travel. And so I think for me, I'm I'm nervous that the kids are going to get bored or that I'm not going to have enough to do. So I always want enough options to feel like I don't care if we don't 
do these things, but I want to know what the options are. Yeah, no, totally. The thing is, if kids live there, there's going to be things to do. Yes. You're going to find things to do. Yeah. And it might involve turning over rocks and looking for bugs or something, but there's going to be things to do. There's always going to be things to do. (laughs) Exactly. And when you let, so going back to the playgrounds and parks, I was at, I was meeting up with a friend and her, she does homeschooling. Actually, she does um, unschooling or self-directed learning and they had park day. And I was like, well, what happens at park day? And they're like, really, whatever the kids want to do, their curiosity will just allow them to explore and figure it out. You know, it's interesting that we often think things have to be planned in order for kids right. to thrive. And actually, kids are naturally curious if we let them, you know, if we give them absolutely enough without all the structure, it's really amazing what kids will come up with. And they're so creative. You know, I, I find myself telling the kids, like, I don't care what you do, but you can't be on a screen. If I give them that limitation, yeah. they really do come up with a lot of really unique ideas that I would never have thought of. So I think allowing kids to explore at a park or anywhere they are just gives them permission to say, like, let your curiosity run wild here and go with yeah. it. Yeah. And I think allowing them to get a little bored is not so bad either because it allows them to push their creativity and use their imagination a little more to get themselves out of it. So. I don't know that it's necessarily a terrible thing if they get a little bored because you could say here, here are some guides, some suggestions, and they'll figure it out on their own of ways to, to turn it around, turn that boredom into something really fun. Yeah, I would agree. I think boredom is a blessing, not a, <laughs> not a curse. It's, yeah. It's yeah. fun to see how kids can work through that, I think. A little struggle. I always say yeah. like a little struggle makes you appreciate your joys. Like your peaks make Absolutely. you appreciate your values and your values, your valleys make you appreciate your peaks a little bit as well. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my son does forest school and it's kind of like park day. I mean, he goes with other kids once a week and they just go and they explore these same woods year round and he absolutely loves it. I mean, there's no there's no structure really. There is a guide that takes them, but it is like, you know, she's pointing out like different mushrooms and different different berries and plants and things like that, but the kids guide the adventure mm-hmm. and it's oh it's it's so special it's such a special time awesome yes i love that there have been so many so i want to just give you a chance you know before we wrap up is there anything that you think you'd like to share with my listeners maybe that i didn't ask or that you'd like to highlight about the book to really help parents and inspire parents to embrace some of these simple adventures yeah i mean i i think that everyone's situation is different and Not everyone can pack up and go for months at a time, but there's literally learning experiences all around us from even your own backyard. And once you start allowing yourself to see like, this is a learning experience and this is a learning experience. Once you start to realize that, you start to see how easy it is to make everything an educational experience, even if even if you can't afford to travel or don't have the time or even want to get out and travel. Some people love the idea, but don't necessarily want to leave their community. And I think it's still important to 
bring the world home to you if you aren't going to get out and travel. So just look for those ways that you can learn about other cultures and learn about other places, even if you're never leaving home. And I think that that is just another form of world travel and world schooling. And so it looks different for everyone. And don't think that your journey is wrong because you're not doing it the way that you might see someone else doing it. Yes. Oh, that that is the inspiration really behind Ordinary Sherpa because I was so sick of seeing everyone else doing it and being like, I can't figure this out. I'm not finding what I was looking for. So I'm going to have to create it. And so I really appreciate that perspective, you know, that it doesn't mean it's not travel or if it's not this way, you get to define your own story and your own journey. And yes. I really appreciate it. And your book, Family Field Trip, is a perfect resource to help them, help them figure it out, to get ideas, to nurture that process. So I am so gracious. If people want to follow you, if they want to buy your book, how can they connect with you? So my book is everywhere um, that books are sold. It's available everywhere. Um, your independent bookstores, of course, would love to sell it to you, but you can also get it at all the big name brand places too. And I am Erin Austin Abbott on Instagram, and that's Austin with an E. And it's also my website is ErinAustinAbbott.com. So I'm I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah, and all of those links will be in the show notes. Um, so people will be able to easily click on it and find you. Erin, it is such an honor. I'm actually going to give away a couple copies of your book, and I'll talk about that later when I wrap things up. But I really have found such great value from your book, and I think it's going to help so many families. So really, thank you. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. That means it means the world to me. And it's been so much fun talking with you. This has been great. I have loved your podcast so much, and I've learned so much from it as well. So I'm glad that we are part of the same community. And it's it's just thrilling to get to hear your insight on so many wonderful topics. Erin, you are a gem. You are an amazing human being. And I really appreciate all of your insights and just to think about how to travel or create adventures more like a family field trip. So I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, Mississippi is unlikely on anyone's bucket list, but it would be an ideal untourist destination due to the many hidden gems. As William Faulkner once said, to understand the world, you must first understand a place like Mississippi. I'm sure if any of you have ever been to the Mississippi Delta, once you set foot on its soil, it seeps into your blood and changes the way in which your eyes look out at the world. Number two, to give you a hint of the hidden gems, the amount of good food at gas stations is unlike anywhere Aaron has ever traveled. There are trails specific to music, literary, even a tamale trail. When you begin to look at the area with a different lens, there's virtually adventures and hidden gems abound. Number three, the Blues Trail is not only a great adventure, it's a historical and cultural lesson as well. Erin created a Spotify playlist to accompany the Blues sign to help her connect with the experience and the facts from the trail. The Spotify playlist is something they can come back to over and over again to retain and remember what they learned and experienced on the Blues Trail. Number four, Erin's second book, Family Field Trip was inspired many years ago during her solo travel days. She was standing in line for a remarkable location in France when several kids were complaining and oblivious about the amazing opportunities surrounding them. I need to write a book about the things they could do. This was the spark for the book and it never left. 
Even while working on her first book, the family field trip book lingered, waiting for her to bring it to life. What sparks are inside of you? What books do you need to write? Number five, public art and murals are an indicator of what the area is going through. Many times the art reflects the aspects of the community is proud of and challenges they've been working through. Number six, a great untourist experience is to go to the farmer's market, grocery store, or locally owned restaurant and seek out the food that you've never seen or tried before. Purchase it and explore what makes that food unique. When you explore from a curious standpoint, you also have questions to ask the local people and learn what makes that location unique. Number seven, in many ways, as we age, we run out of first-time experiences, which might be the appeal of travel. If we're intentional to notice nature is constantly changing around us, things like season study to watch the different birds or observe how the same place changes over a period of time is a great way to have a micro-adventure. Number eight, one way Erin likes to acclimate to a new community is to take public transportation on a simple out-and-back experience. Study what's outside the windows, listen to the local chatter, and glean insights from the commuter culture that surrounds you. You will be able to be a simple passenger without an itinerary. Number nine, one of the ways Erin and her family like to connect with kids and families is by going and ordering good takeout then heading to a local park or playground. If you choose one near a school, there's usually embedded in the community and will attract some of the local people. Number 10, Erin gave so many tips on how to plan for an untourist or family field trip. One of her favorites is searching for geotags and then following that little rabbit hole to discovery. For example, when you're on Instagram, you click on a geotag, it takes you to a map, which she will then add to a guide in Apple Maps. Getting in the habit of adding geotags to maps in the moment when you learn about them makes planning for the long term so much easier. I am telling you, I have been doing family adventures for a very long time, (laughs) at least 10 years, and I still learned a considerable number of practical tips that we want to implement immediately. And I will tell you, reading her book, I finished it cover to cover in under two hours, and it was just so like enriching and grounding. So not to mention, Erin's also just an amazing human being doing wonderful things, and I love to support amazing human beings. So she's so authentic. She's generous. And not only do I think you need her book, but she's the type of person I want to see her work flourish. So if you are willing and you're interested in this type of work, please go purchase her book. There's a link in the show notes. And again, if you would like to get a free copy of her book, then go ahead and leave a written review either for my book, Beyond Normal, A Field Guide to Embrace Adventure, Explore the Wilderness, and Design an Extraordinary Life with Kids on Amazon, or you can also leave a written review for the podcast. All of those show notes are available, and I look forward to hearing more about the simple adventures that you have with your family this week. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.